0: Talking about looking for things, and 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 I know that we're looking forward to Christmas right now. We're just a couple weeks out from Christmas, and and uh, and so I thought um, it would be fun to kind of hear what are some of your. Christmas traditions. Like some of the things that you do in your family every year, maybe something that's unique to your family. And so I I threw that question out on Facebook. I like to do that sometimes to hear uh, what it is that that you enjoy about things or maybe something unique about your family. And so some people put some stuff, you know, a lot of people uh, look at Christmas lights around this time of year. Um, I know that uh, Zach McCrady said that they always make sure though before they go look at Christmas lights, they go through Starbucks and they get a caramel apple spice, which is one of my favorite drinks at Starbucks. It's super girly to order, but I don't care. It's good. It's delicious, right? And so they get one of those. Uh, a lot of people mentioned special meals that they cook. Anybody do like a special meal on Christmas Eve or anything like that? No? Try it this year. It's a lot of fun, all right? That's a that's an easy tradition. We do that um, in our family. We'll cook some steak and some shrimp and stuff like that. So that's... That's fun. Um, I thought this one was fun. Lauren Castleberry, her and Tyler were in the first service. She said one thing that they do as a family is they have an annual silly string fight. She said they each get a can of silly string in their stocking and then secretly pick one family member to gang up on. Sort of like hazing, or maybe it is hazing, she said. And it's like, well, I, I, think, I think it might be, right? <laughs> Even if it's fun, I think it still may qualify. But um, another tradition um, is um, something that's called the the pickle on the Christmas tree. Anybody have one of these on your Christmas tree? Yeah, a few of you? Okay, so we have one. We don't do the tradition thing. My wife just, I guess, likes pickles or something, but um, we have one of these, and I was kind of reading about it this week. It's a tradition that comes from Germany, the best that I could understand, and basically it goes like this. You hide the the pickle on the Christmas tree on Christmas Eve the next morning whenever the kids run into... uh, pick up their presents or whatever it is that that you do, the first one to find the pickle on the tree, they either get to open the first gift or they get an extra gift for finding it. So that's kind of, that's kind of fun. I don't know. Maybe you need to get a pickle for your Christmas tree, but that kind of sets us up with what we're talking about today, uh, looking for something, seeing something. That's, That's what we're talking about today is just what are we looking for? In fact, that's the first words of Jesus in the book of John. In the book of John, the first recorded words that that John gives us of Jesus is, What are you looking for? Now, the context of that is um, John the Baptist, right? We saw him uh, briefly last week in our sermon. Um, John the Baptist, he was a, a herald, he was the one proclaiming that Jesus was coming. And he says in John 1, 8 and 9 basically that that he was not the true light, but he was proclaiming about the true light, about Jesus. You remember that? That's not word for word or anything like that, but that's basically the idea. In 34 through 36, somewhere like that in chapter one, we see two guys who were followers of John the Baptist. They, uh, They hear John the Baptist say, look, there's the Lamb of God, talking about Jesus. And they leave following John the Baptist, and they start following Jesus. Those two guys are Andrew and John, the writer of this book. And whenever they get there and Jesus notices them behind them, Jesus turns to them and says, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? And that resonates with us, right? Because every single one of us, we're looking for something in life, all of us. Um, Maybe maybe you're looking for acceptance or influence or excitement. Maybe you're looking for escape or love, security, approval. Like we look for all kinds of things in life, and Jesus asks that question, what are you looking for? And then he says, to come and you'll see it. That's what Jesus says. Come to me and you'll see it. Whatever that thing is that you're looking for. We're all looking for something. Jesus says, come to me and you'll find all that you need. That's kind of what we're going to talk about over the next few minutes together. Before we do, I want us to pray together. So I'm going to pray for all of us. and I'm going to ask you, just right where you are, just to pray for yourself that, that in this moment, God would speak to you. So let's all pray together. God, we want to pause and we want to ask you to do what only you can do, and that's speak to our hearts. Now, there's nothing that I can say uh, that will change anybody or have any kind of impact past about three minutes after walking outside of these doors. And so we need you to do what only you can do, and that's speak to us. Change our hearts, point us to Jesus, and help us to respond to you. And we promise to listen. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, John chapter one, pick up in verse 43 with me. John chapter one, verse 43. The next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. He found Philip and told him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the hometown of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law. And so did the prophets. Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nathanael asked him. Come and see. Philip answered. Verse 47. Then Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said about him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you, Jesus answered. Rabbi, Nathanael replied, you are the son of God, you are the king of Israel. And Jesus responded, do you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree, you will see greater things than this. And then he said, truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. All right. So, uh, so framing all of this in this what are you looking for type of idea, all throughout this passage, we see language about finding something that you're looking for. We see language about seeing things like we see it's all centered around sight. And so there's like 10 different ways I could preach this message this morning. I'm going to try and just do one of them. I think I rewrote this sermon like four times this week. And I want us to center this around the three powerful moments in this story or three powerful phrases and all of them center around sight again, Jesus says, what are you looking for? And then we see three powerful statements about sight. Okay, so if you take notes or something like that, the first phrase is, come and see. Come and see. That's in verse 46. And it kind of, we get there by, by following Philip's story. So Philip, um, Jesus came to Galilee, it says, and he found Philip. And when he found him, he told Philip, follow me. Now I'm sure there's A lot more to that conversation than just that, right? But that's what's recorded here. And the way that it reads is Philip immediately goes to find his buddy. So Jesus finds him, says, Follow me, and and Philip immediately goes and finds his buddy, Nathanael. Look at verse 45. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and, and so did the prophets, Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Now, I think John is telling us this statement here. He wants us to see that Philip is a smart guy. Philip knew the scriptures. Um, it, it's not like Jesus just said, follow me, and he's like, eh, that sounds like fun. <laughs> here I go, you know. No, he, he knew. They were looking for the Messiah. That's what these people, like they, they, they knew what the Old Testament, what scripture had said about who the Messiah, the promised one who would come to save people from their sins, that's what the Messiah is. The Old Testament talks about a Messiah coming to one day do that, and so they were waiting and watching, who is that Messiah? And so Philip, he meets Jesus, and he's convinced that he just met the Messiah, the one that Moses and all the prophets spoke about. What is he talking about with that statement? That Moses and all the prophets wrote about this guy, and I found him, right? It sounds a whole lot like one of my favorite verses. Um, in Luke um, chapter 24, Jesus has just risen from the dead. And he's walking along this road with these two guys. And uh, they don't recognize Jesus for who he is at first. And Luke 24, 27, it's just this one little verse that says, uh, says this, that Jesus, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So. Can you imagine what that would have been like, walking with Jesus as he's just pointing out things from their Bible, what we would call the Old Testament, and saying, that's me, that's my character, this is pointing to me over here, right? Jesus says in John, John records it this way, Jesus says in John 5, 39, he says, you pour over the scriptures because you think you have eternal life in them, and yet they testify about me. What Jesus is saying here is that all of this points to him, like, you need to know that. It will change the way that you read the Bible if you understand that all of this is pointing us to Jesus. And so whenever Philip says, um, I found the one that Moses and all the prophets told us about, what's he talking about? There's, there's several messianic prophecies um, in the Old Testament. So we know that Moses wrote the fo- first five books of the Bible, right? The Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And so just in that, what's he talking about as far as Moses wrote about the Messiah? Well, the first one that you see is in Genesis 3.15. Um, Genesis 3.15, fifteen is, it's right after the fall, so sin has entered the world. And God is speaking to Satan, and he says this in Genesis 3.15. He says, I'm going to put enmity, or that, that's a word that means combat, between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head. It gets very specific. He will crush your head, and you're going to strike his heel. What is that talking about? Well, that's talking about the day that Jesus is going to be put on a Roman cross and Satan is going to strike his heel. He's going to put a hurting on him, but Jesus is going to flat crush his head. We're told that in Genesis 3.15. Uh, a few chapters later, um, God tells a guy named Abraham that through your line, all of the people of the earth are going to be blessed. It's talking about a, a one that's coming, a promised one. I mean, over and over again in the Old Testament, I try and point them out to you every time that we get together, but Old Testament is pointing us to Jesus. I've told you about the Davidic covenant where God promises David that through him there's gonna be one who sits on the throne forever and ever, talking about Jesus. Isaiah 9, that the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Like there's one coming and that's Jesus. Uh, Micah 5.2, that Bethlehem, Ephrathah, we talked about this a few weeks ago, that there's one who's coming from you who's gonna be a ruler. Right? And so over and over again, Moses and all the prophets point us to what we call the Messiah. And Philip is persuaded that he just found him. Right? He just found the one that Moses and all the prophets had told us about. And so because he's persuaded, he does what makes perfect sense. He goes and tells his buddy. <laughs> He just goes and tells his friend because that's what makes sense because that's what we do, right? Like if we find something good, well, we tell people about it. Whether that's a new restaurant or a new Netflix show or uh, a new like uh, product or hair product or medicine or something like that that's really changed your life. Like you tell people about it because it's good, right? Here's a very practical one for you. I tell everyone, that the Greenbrier Sonic is far superior to any other Conway Sonic that's around. I say, it's worth the drive, man. Go to Greenbrier. (laughs) It's way better Sonic, right? Because it's good. And so whenever you find something good, you tell people about it. And so this is a story about Philip just being a good friend and doing what good friends do. And that's the most simple way that I can explain to you this idea of evangelism telling people about Jesus it's just a good friend doing what good friends do if we tell people about restaurants and movies and shops and all kinds of other things how much more sense does it make to tell people about Jesus like if you really truly know him and you've been changed by him it's only natural to tell people about him in fact I would say it's unnatural to not say anything about him like if you found something good you tell people about it right and that's what Philip does He says, we found the one that we've been looking for and we've been watching for, Jesus. I found him, I found him, right? Verse 45, Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and so did the prophets. It's Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Now, this is the formal way, the formal method of identifying someone in this time. Name who their dad is and where they're from, okay? Name who their dad is, where, where they are from. And so he says, Jesus, son of Joseph, from Nazareth. And we see that Nathaniel has a real hard time believing that this Jesus from Nazareth is actually the Messiah. He says in verse 46, nothing good comes from Nazareth. And I always read that, I think, uh, just thinking, well, I guess Nathaniel has some beef with uh, Nazareth. <laughs> Like they're punks or something he doesn't like them, you know, uh, I don't know, maybe it'd be like how we would talk about Valonia or something like that. I don't know, but maybe it's a rival kind of thing. Um, here's what I think is actually going on here. I think Nathaniel is a thinker, just like Philip, um, Philip talking about Moses, all the prophets putting pieces together. I think Nathaniel is the same way that he knew that the Messiah was supposed to come from Bethlehem, right? Micah five two. We talked about this just a couple of weeks ago in our series through through Micah. Uh, Bethlehem Ephrathah, There's one coming through you who's going to be a ruler, right? And so Nathaniel hears Jesus uh, from Nazareth, and he's like, "Can't be, can't be the Messiah," because Micah told us the Messiah is going to come through Bethlehem. Now we know through reading the gospel accounts that Jesus is born in Bethlehem whenever his family goes for the census, but they live in Nazareth, right? And so, Nathaniel is this skeptic, I guess, and and not a skeptic in the negative sense, but just he wants to make sure, like, if he's going to follow this guy's Messiah, he wants to be sure that it it is actually the Messiah, and he's a thinker. He's a smart guy, and he's got questions, and I love how Philip answers. He answers the skeptic in the best possible way. He says, come and see. Just come and see, right? right. And that's the perfect response. Listen, it's not our job to convince anybody. It's not. It's not our job to convince them. And I think a lot of us don't talk about Jesus. We don't share our faith with others because either we're afraid of rejection or we're afraid of being stumped. (laughs) Like what if they ask me something that I don't know how to answer, you know? And so we just don't. We don't say anything at all. I want you to try this with people who maybe have some questions. Just simply say, like Philip, Come and see. Come and see. Jesus is fully capable of the convincing. He doesn't need you to do it. Charles Spurgeon, um, he said this one time. He said, a lion doesn't need to be defended. Just simply let it out of its cage, right? And that's our job as well. Just simply tell people, man, just come and see. Maybe you have a skeptic friend. Maybe you got somebody who's got a lot of questions. Maybe just say, let's just walk through the book of John together. Let's see what this has to say about who Jesus is. Or maybe you say, Man, come to church with me, I'll save a seat for you. I'd love for you to come and just hear about this one named Jesus. Just come and see. And so Philip takes his skeptical friend to meet Jesus, and we see the second phrase I want us to break down. I saw you. So first it's come and see, and now I saw you. Verse forty seven. Then Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him and said about him, Now here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. What's going on there? The New Living Translation um, translates that word, no deceit, as a man of complete integrity. What's happening here is Jesus is referencing Genesis chapter 27. Genesis chapter 27 is a story of a guy named Jacob, who would later be called Israel, right? And uh, it's interesting because this, Jacob is is referenced a couple of times in this story with Nathaniel. I'll tell you why I think that here in just a moment, but Um, He references Jacob, who's called Israel, and he says, now here is a true Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Jacob was called Jacob because he's a deceiver. Uh, Genesis 27, 36, Esau, the brother of Jacob, says he's he's named Jacob correctly because he's cheated me twice. He cheated him out of his birthright and his blessing, if you remember that story. And so Jacob means deceiver. And so literally the way this translates is um, Jesus looks at him and says, now here's a true Israelite in whom there is no Jacob. What he's saying is, is, is Nathaniel, you're not like Jacob. You're not a deceiver. You are upright, you're moral, you're, you're full of integrity. Nathaniel was a good guy, but he still needs Jesus, right? He still needs Jesus. And so this conversation goes on in verse 48. Nathaniel asked him, he says, how do you know me? Like put yourself in Nathaniel's shoes just for a minute. Can you imagine walking up to a complete stranger and they seem to know everything about you? And this, by the way, is before the days of Instagram and Facebook, where you could like creep on people. You know what I'm talking about? Like you get on there and you see all their pictures and where they went to school and who their mom is and all that kind of stuff. And then whenever you actually meet them, you got to act like you don't know them. Super weird, but we do that. I can't imagine trying to date uh, in today's world with that kind of thing going on. But Jesus didn't have Instagram. Jesus didn't have Facebook to creep on him. And so Nathaniel says, that's kind of weird. (laughs) How do you know me? Like, how, how do you know him? And what Jesus says next blows him away. He says, before Philip called you, so before y'all got together and talked, I saw you, you're sitting under a fig tree. And I, and I saw you there. Now there's a big statement. There's a couple of things happening here um, with the fig tree. The fig tree represents a couple of things. Uh, First, it would represent um, in Jewish culture and tradition. It's a, it's a, the sitting under the fig tree is a euphemism or a metaphor for studying scripture. That's what rabbis would do. That's what that's the way they would refer to studying scripture is that they were sitting under the fig tree, right? And so maybe Nathaniel is actually studying scripture before Philip found him. And again, I kind of think Nathaniel was studying Genesis chapter 27. I think he was studying the story of Jacob. I'll show you why again here in a moment. But it makes sense because we know that Nathanael's a thinker, right? Like the whole Nazareth thing up above, knowing that the Messiah was gonna come from Bethlehem, we, we know Nathanael's a thinker, that he's putting pieces together. And so whenever Jesus says, I saw you, to this guy who's a thinker, this, this guy who's an intellectual, whenever he says, I saw you, the thinker in him is just blown away that Jesus actually knows everything, right? And maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you're somebody who you like to know the details and facts matter, and you're a thinker, you're an intellectual type of person. I want you to hear, Jesus isn't afraid of that. And as deep as you can think, he can go deeper, (laughs) right? In fact, that's what I love about the Bible. You can dig and dig and dig and you're never gonna hit the bottom of this well. It's just gonna keep going deeper and deeper. Jesus never asks us to set our brain aside whenever we walk through these doors. In fact, it's the opposite. It's it's the opposite. Engage your mind. Engage your thinking. Engage your intellect. He gave you that, right? And when you do, you're gonna find the one like Nathaniel did who truly knows everything. I think Christians get a rap sometimes for just being just people who believe in some make-believe and we're kind of dumb people or whatnot. Man, that's not the case. Like, bring your mind to Scripture. And I promise you, it's going to go deeper than you can. <laughs> it's going to go deeper. And so the fig tree, it could represent just studying Scripture or, or thinking deeply on things, but it could also represent um, a dream. I, I would describe it as kind of like the American dream, right? Uh, for them in this time, sitting under the fig tree was the idea of a dream of an eternal home or prosperity, something along those lines. It comes from several passages in the Old Testament. Micah 4, 4's, a good example that says, each person, one of these days, each person will sit under his grapevine and under his fig tree with no one to frighten him. There was a promise of, of prosperity, of home that was coming. But Nathanael's living in a time that's not a prosperous time. And so there's a good shot that he doesn't have those things. That when Jesus says, What are you looking for? Nathanael's looking for home. He's looking for prosperity, he's looking for a sense of settledness. So maybe Nathaniel's struggling. Maybe he's hurting deeply. In fact, if you watch uh, the show, uh, The Chosen, this is how they depict Nathaniel um, in, in, the, in the show, The Chosen, which, you know, I like to watch that show, but I'll be honest with you, nothing puts me to sleep faster than that show. <laughs> it's just slow. But um, I do like what they do here. They show Nathaniel sitting under this Actual fig tree, and he's crying. It's in season two. If you watch the show, you might remember this. He's sitting there and he's crying and he's struggling and he's praying and he feels broken, right? That's what's happening. And I can go there based off of the cultural context clues that's in this passage. And so, if that's true, if he's hurting and he's struggling, imagine how powerful it would be for Jesus to say to him in that moment, I saw you as you're struggling as you're in pain, as you're praying, thinking that nobody hears you, I saw you. In the middle of your tears, I saw you. And maybe that's where you find yourself this morning, like life has hit hard and you're struggling. Maybe today you just need to know that this same Jesus looks at you in the same way and says, I see you and I know you and I love you, right? What's more powerful than that whenever you are struggling and in pain than for somebody to say, I see you, I know you, I love you, right? And in the same way as Jesus doesn't ask us to set our our mind aside when we walk through the door, Jesus doesn't ask us to check our emotions at the door when we come to him. In fact, it's the opposite. He meets you right in the middle of your pain. He sees you. He sees your pain and your struggles and he's there and he knows and he loves you. And so whatever's going on in Nathanael's world, right, in this moment, whatever's going on in his mind, hearing Jesus say, I see you and I know you, completely changed everything for him, changed everything about him, and his eyes then were opened. Look at verse 49. It says, Rabbi, which means teacher, Nathanael replied, you are the son of God, (laughs) you are the king of Israel. Now that's not common to call a rabbi or a teacher the son of God or the king of Israel. He's making a statement here. This is unique. Meeting Jesus face-to-face was a game-changer moment for Nathanael, and he confesses him to be the Messiah, just like Philip said he was, right? And, And honestly, that's a major theme in the first chapter of John. People seeing Jesus for who he truly is and it changes everything about them and they confess him as Lord and King and Messiah. I mean, we see it over and over. Just in chapter one, John the Baptist, he sees Jesus and he calls him, there's the the Lamb of God. He calls him the chosen one of God in verses 29, 34, and 36. Andrew sees him for who he truly is and he calls him the Messiah in verse 41. That's a big, big statement. Philip sees him and calls him the one that Moses wrote about in verse 45. Nathanael sees him and calls him the son of God, the king of Israel. The point is, when people meet him, everything changes. Everything changes. And if you remember what we talked about last week in John chapter 1, the first few verses, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. We talked about how this is John, the best friend of Jesus, Late in life, writing to us, saying, I want you to meet my best friend, because when you do, it's going to change everything about you. He says, the purpose of writing his book, John chapter 20, verse 31, says, these things, what we call the book of John, these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. That's the purpose. That's the why behind writing this. And so I would ask each of you this morning, have you met Jesus? Jesus. Like, have you met him? Not just do you know about him, not just have you grown up kind of around these ideas and principles and and, and things, but do you know him? Like, have you met him face to face? Have you placed your belief in him, as John says? And the way John writes about belief is not just like with your head going, yeah, sure, I believe that. It's like, no, with my life, I'm placing my trust and my faith in you. And, and, And because I've done that, because I've met Jesus, man, it changes everything about me. Have you done that? Have you done that? You can this morning, that's the invitation of, of the gospel, that he's done everything necessary in order for you to know him. His death and resurrection paved the way so that you can know him intimately, right? So Nathaniel confesses Jesus to be the Messiah, and then Jesus makes a promise. Here's the, here's the final phrase I want us to look at. It's this phrase, you will see. You will see. Look at verse 50. Jesus responded to him, do you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Like it, Just wait, basically, is what Jesus said says here, and he's referring to everything that follows in the pages of of John, everything that we're going to see Jesus do and say and how he interacts with people and his miraculous things that he does. He says, just wait, you're going to see way more than that. But the point for us this morning is this, our salvation moment, the moment that you meet Jesus is only the beginning of your journey with him. That's not where things stop. It's not like you just check that box and okay now now what else does life have for me. No that's the beginning of your journey with Jesus. Too many people never progress past that point. Confess Jesus as Lord and just okay now whatever. <laughs> but this is this is just the beginning moment. He saves you not just for heaven but to walk with him now. Like to experience him now, to see him move in amazing ways now. He says yeah, You're going to see far greater things than this. When you walk with Jesus, man, his eye, like, you you will see him do incredible things if you'll simply walk with him. And then in verse 51, then he said, Jesus says this, truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. Now, this is a big statement. There's a few things going on here that you got to see. Okay, a couple of big things happening here. First, he says, you will see. That you right there is plural, meaning (laughs) y'all. That's how we would say it. Y'all will see is what Jesus is saying here. So he's not just talking to Nathanael anymore. He's talking to all of us that, that you will see, you will see what? He says, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is a reference back to Genesis chapter 28. Again, Jesus is referencing this whole story with, with Jacob, and we see him doing it again. He's back to talking about Jacob and what we might understand to be called Jacob's ladder, if you've ever heard heard that. And and Genesis chapter 28, Jacob lays down and he has a dream. And in his dream, he sees this stairway or this ladder that connects earth to heaven and angels are ascending and descending up and down the ladder. And and what that's doing in Genesis 28 is it's a picture of Jacob's access to heaven. But here in this passage, whenever Jesus references that, he says, you're going to see this He's saying, you're gonna find out that I am the stairway. I am the access to heaven. I'm the one that connects heaven and earth together. I am that one, right? And then he goes one step further and he calls himself the son of man. The son of man. Now throughout this story, like Jesus has been called a few different things. Philip calls him the son of Joseph, which is true. Nathaniel calls him the son of God, which is true. But then Jesus calls himself the son of man. And that is one of Jesus' favorite titles for himself in scripture. In fact, in the gospels, he calls himself the son of man 83 times. And what he's doing there is extremely intentional. He's drawing a direct line to Daniel chapter seven. And Daniel chapter seven is... is one of the most primary pieces about the Messiah that we have in the Old Testament. It says this, Daniel chapter seven, verse 13, I want you to hear it. It says, I continued watching in the night visions and suddenly one like a son of man was coming with the clouds of heaven and he approached the Ancient of Days and was escorted before him. He was given dominion and glory and a kingdom so that those of every people, nation, and language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. That's who Jesus is saying that he is. That's who the Messiah is. He's gonna have a kingdom that'll never pass away, that he's gonna be given a people from every nation and language and tongue that are all gonna come to him. His dominion will never pass away is what Daniel says about the Son of Man, and Jesus calls himself the Son of Man. See, in this passage... We see see several people. You can even back up a few verses up into verse uh, 39 and and on, and you see Andrew come to know him, you see Peter come to know him, uh, John come to know him. Like, we see all this happening, and there's kind of this question mark that's in this book of, is Jesus truly the Messiah? Like, is he? I mean, some people seem to think that he is. I mean, Andrew sure is convinced, Peter's convinced, Philip's convinced, Nathaniel's now convinced, but is he or is he not? Is he the Messiah, but chapter one closes and leaves absolutely no doubt for us. Leaves absolutely no doubt. Jesus, by calling himself the son of man, is clearly saying, that's me. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one prophesied from the, from the beginning pages of the Bible. I'm the one that God promised would come and save you from your sin. That's who Jesus is. He's the stairway. He's the one that connects heaven and earth and that only through him people are saved. That's who he is. And John closes his first chapter of this book, and he wants you and I to clearly see Jesus for who he is. As we close this morning, I want to I draw your eyes back to where we started this morning with Jesus' first words. What are you looking for? What are you looking for? And whatever it is that you're looking for in this life, whether that's peace or comfort or love or hope or or whatever it might be, I promise you, you will find it in Jesus. That's why he says, come to me and you'll see. That you is plural as well. Come to me and you will see what it is that you're looking for. And for Nathaniel the turning point for him was the moment that he met Jesus. His skepticism and struggles, they were met head on. And he met Jesus and his eyes were open to see him and everything changed. See, Nathaniel's one of the disciples. He's who Matthew, Mark, and Luke would call Bartholomew. That's who Nathaniel is. And he follows Jesus every day for three and a half years until Jesus is crucified. All because this moment. And so what does that mean, mean for us? Like what do, we, what do we do with this this morning? I think there's kind of two responses for us. Uh, first, are your eyes being opened to him right now? Like, is this your turning point moment where you realize who Jesus is and you're coming face to face with him now and you're going, I'm convinced he is the Messiah. He's everything that, that people say he is. I would encourage you, and don't turn away. Respond to him. Can, can you imagine if Nathaniel would have just walked away? Like, yeah, be, you probably are, i the Messiah, but I'm good. Man, right now, if your eyes are being opened to him, don't deny what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life right now. That is the grace of God on you right now. Turn to him. Jesus is looking at you right now, and he's saying, I see you and I know you. And the encouragement from John, the best friend of Jesus, is believe. Place your faith and your trust in him, and it'll change everything about you. And so maybe that's how you need to respond today. Maybe if you don't know Jesus as Savior, like you've truly never surrendered to him as Savior, maybe that's what you do this morning. But for others, I mean, maybe you do know Jesus, and, 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 and so your response this morning is not necessarily to meet him face-to-face, for the first time but but maybe your response is is like Philip. <laughs> Jesus has told you to follow him and you have. And now the question is who do you need to bring to Jesus? Like who do you need to to show the way, right? And if that's you this morning, man, I just want you to know you don't need all the answers. You simply need to repeat the words of Philip who was quoting Jesus by the way and just simply say come and see. And so maybe this morning, the Lord is placing some faces in front of you right now in your mind of people that you need to talk to this week and just simply say, man, come and see. He'll change everything about you. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.